1: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor.
2: Jesus had said, unless a man is born again, he cannot go to heaven. And Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Because when Nicodemus heard Jesus say in John 3, 3, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus heard Jesus say in John 3, 3, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except Nicodemus be born again. Nicodemus cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus responded In John 3, 4, John 3, 4, how can a man be born again? What he was really saying in John 3, 4, how can Nicodemus be born when Nicodemus is old? See, that's what Nicodemus was saying but to Jesus Christ. He was saying, please tell me how, so please help me by telling me how. And that's why that one word how made all the difference for Nicodemus. That was the same way word how, it made the difference for you and me. That's the same way that the word how should be on our lips. When we open the Bible and we go on the hunt for these commands from Christ that we haven't obeyed, we should be just like Nicodemus and say that one little word, how? Show me how, Lord, how? For example, we go on the hunt in the Bible for commands that we haven't followed, and we find, for example, that Christ says in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. And our response is the Nicodemus response. How? How, Lord? Please show me which enemies I have. You'll find them, don't worry. Which enemies I have and how I can bless them and that curse me. I don't know how. How can I do good to them that hate me? I don't know how. How can I pray for them that are abusing me? I can't pray from my heart. I hate them. So show me how I can transform. How can I transform for those who are persecuting me? How, Lord, show me how to do this. Help me with the how I can do this. This is the way that the word how set apart the doer from just the hearer of the word, James one twenty three James one twenty three If any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For if he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and not a continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. So responding to Christ's words with how makes us a doer of the word and not just a hearer of the word. It's so significant that in verse 16, there was this group of Pharisees who opposed the Lord. It was a group in verse 16. And in John 3, it was just one. It was just one Pharisee, the Nicodemus, who came to Christ with his heart. There's a group in verse 16. and John 3:3 there's just one Pharisee. Group of Pharisees, one Pharisee. What it shows us it shows us that so often, if a person is gonna come to Christ, he's gotta be willing to step out from the group. He's gotta be willing to separate from the group. and This is what Nicodemus did. After Christ died and his dead body was still on the cross, it was Nicodemus, the only Pharisee that was so visibly seen in John nineteen thirty nine. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen cloths with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. So we know that the place where Jesus was crucified was a very, very public place. It was like a stage, an elevated stage around Jerusalem by Jerusalem, seen by many. One Pharisee, Nicodemus, came with Joseph of Arimathea with his hands full of all those burial spices. And when that one person, Nicodemus, set up that ladder on that cross and climbed up that ladder, Nicodemus was saying to the world, you do what you want to me, you say what you want to me, but I'm a worshiper and a follower of Jesus Christ. And he paid a price. There's a price. There's a price to be paid to follow Jesus Christ. And that's the price of separation from the group that rejects Christ. And Nicodemus paid that price. And the Apostle Paul paid that price. And it was a costly price to be paid, but it was worth it. Well, then the Pharisees in verse 16, they go on. You know, sometimes, I can't tell you how, but I just get a real blessing when I'm speaking to defiant, stubborn, lost Jewish people. I get such a blessing sometimes. They're trying their best to discourage me, to crush me, but sometimes I walk away so greatly encouraged. And the amazing thing is that it's, it's something they don't even know that they've said, but it blesses my soul. And God promised that, actually. He said, when you go to the Jewish people to bless them, God says, there's a special gift for you. And that hasn't changed since it was first made to Abraham in Genesis twelve three. Genesis twelve three, when God said, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. You cannot be a better blessing to the Jewish people than when you, in love, bring them the Lord Jesus Christ. You bring the Lord Jesus Christ to them, you bring them to Christ. You can't. You try your best to show them how happy they can be in Christ. And sometimes a lost Jewish person will say something that's such a great blessing. This is one of these times. Right here, the Pharisees have just said something that It's a great blessing. And it says in verse 16, verse 16, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. That's beautiful. Christ teaches the way of God in truth. That's the description of the teachings of Jesus Christ. Beautiful description. He teaches the way of God in truth. In other words, he teaches the true way of God. There's a true way of God. There's a true way of God to come to God. The true way of God to come to God is in John 14, 6. John fourteen six, where Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the true way of God to God. It reminds me of an account of a missionary in Portuguese Angola in the early 1900s, and uh, John Olford, and he had just led an African chief to Christ, and then John Olford asked the chief, he said, chief, is there another tribe nearby that I could tell about Christ? And the chief said, oh yes, it's over there, just on the other side of that jungle. So John Olford wanted to go there, and and he said, chief, am I gonna get there? And the chief said, no problem, he beat some drums and yelled out something, and and a big, bare-chested, muscular African man appears, and the chief told him, says, take this white man through the jungle over there, the other tribe. So they started out and John Olford, British man, you know, he has his compass and he's going everywhere. He's changing his compass, you know. As they're going into the thick brush, he can hardly see anything, but he's kind of, and so he's following close behind this African and the, the John Olford's saying, well, they seem to turn this way. They seem to turn that way, you know, he says. John Olford started getting discouraged. It's starting to get dark. So he stops the African guide and he says, now tell me the truth, do you really know the way through the jungle, <laughs> he says. And the African man showed him, he says, he says uh, you see that machete mark on the tree? And he says, I made that mark. And the African showed him a scar on his arm. He says, you see this scar on my arm? And uh, he says, uh, yeah, and he says, I got cut on this trail, going to the tribe. And the African man pointed the back and said, you see my back? <laughs> he says, yeah, he says, quit trying to find the way yourself. He says, follow my back. He says, I am the way. And that was that. And that's how Jesus Christ says to us. He says, just follow me. Christ says, I'm the way. John Ofer, he couldn't see the trail that he was going, at times it looked like they were getting nowhere. In Christ in the Bible, it says that we can't see the path, but Christ just says, just follow me, I'm the way. And there are many ways that people are taking to try to get to heaven that have nothing to do with Christ. And Christ said, of those many ways, or the Bible says about those many ways, Proverbs 16, 25, Proverbs 16, 25, oh, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Those ways without Christ are not the true way of God. They're not the way of God in truth. For example, many try to get to heaven by their good works, and good works is, is not a true way to God because the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, Ephesians 2, 8, by grace you are saved, not of work through faith, Not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And one thing that good works do for a person, it swells the chest, it swells the chest. They gotta tell others about the good things that they're doing and God doesn't like that. He doesn't like boasting. And there were those who were boasting about their good works, About they were boasting about their good preaching in Jesus' name, and they were boasting about their good works of casting out devils in Jesus' name, and they were boasting about doing many numerous good works, wonderful works in Jesus' name, but those works was not the true way of God to heaven in Matthew seven twenty one, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, preached, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. See, they were boasting. They were boasting in the ears of Christ about all the good works that said, we prophesied in your name, we cast out devils in your name, we did many wonderful works in your name. Doing those good works was a way that seemed right to them to get into heaven. But good works was not the true way of God to heaven, not the way of God in truth. So to try to use good works to get into heaven is a way of death, there's a way. Proverbs 16.25, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The true way of God, the true way of God, the way of God in truth, as the Pharisees put it, to get to heaven is Acts 16.31, Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. To believe on is to rely on Jesus Christ, is to depend on Jesus Christ, It's to trust God on Jesus Christ, rely on his death as sufficient to pardon from sin. 1 Corinthians 15.3, 1 Corinthians 15.3, Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. The Bible says that Christ died for our sins. We just rely on it, that's all. Depend on Jesus Christ to cleanse us from our sins, make us ready for heaven. Ephesians 5.26, Ephesians 5.26, that Christ might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blend image. Revelation five. Revelation five. him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Christ's blood is enough, it's sufficient, to cleanse us from our sins, we just depend on it. We just depend on the blood of Christ to cleanse us. We trust in Christ to take us to heaven, John 14, John 14, one. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Genesis 49:10, Genesis 49, 10. He's called Shiloh there. Shiloh come, and unto him, shall the gathering of the people be. Christ said he's gonna bring us to heaven. The Bible says we're gonna be gathered together to Christ. We just simply trust him to do it. That's the true way of God to heaven. Now comes the ultimate setup when the Pharisees say to Christ in verse 16, verse 16, neither carest thou for any man for thou regardest not the person of men. And when the Pharisees said that, that Christ did not care or take notice of any person, we can just imagine the Pharisees looking over to those Herodians, the spies for Herod, and in essence, they were saying to Christ, we know you wouldn't even alter your statements just because these Herodians happened to be here. They said that because the Herodians were loyal to Caesar and so anything that Christ said against Caesar would be picked up by the Herodians and reported back to the authorities. And now that those Pharisees have set up the save, they've set up Christ, they've set up the stage for the trap, here comes the question. In verse 16, verse 16, tell us therefore, what thinkest thou? So they're saying, tell us. They're saying, we're gonna ask you a really direct question, a really straight question. And we don't want you to dodge the question. Just tell us. In other words, don't try to hide your answer from us. Just come right out and tell us. And they said, what thinkest thou? They're saying to Christ, tell us what you think. Don't tell us what others say about paying taxes to Caesar. The tribute money was excessive for the people. The term Caesar referred to all the Roman rulers, not just the one back in Rome. The Roman ruler that ruled over that area at that time was called Tiberius, and he was hated by all the Jews because he threw these lavish, immoral parties, very expensive, and that's what the Jews' taxes went to pay for. So the Pharisees knew that if Christ said that it was lawful to pay the Roman taxes, that they would have heard Christ say that the people should pay the money to support that disgusting character of Tiberius. And the Pharisees knew that if Christ said that it was not lawful to pay the Roman taxes, that the Herodians would have carried that report right on back to the Roman authorities. So the Pharisees are very, very comfortable here. They think, well, we've just we've got it made now. They say to themselves, we really got Christ on this one. We got Jesus trapped. And you can feel the tension that's in the air with this question. It was intense. So the Lord Jesus hears their words, but louder than their words is the perception of their intention, which is wickedness. Matthew calls what Christ perceived their wickedness. The Greek word for wickedness means plot. They had plotted against him in his mind. Luke calls it, in Luke 20, 23, Luke 20, 23, he perceived their craftiness, their craftiness, and said unto them, why tempt me? The Greek word used for craftiness means trickery. He tricked them, they were trying to trick him. He knew they were trying to trick him. This is the same Greek word that's translated crafting. This is translated subtlety in 2 Corinthians 11.3. 2 Corinthians 11.3, the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. That means that Christ saw in their question the same trickery that the serpent used in the Garden of Eden to bring man into sin. And Mark called it, in Mark twelve fifteen, Mark 12, 15, shall we give or shall we not give? But he knowing their hypocrisy, hypocrisy said unto them, why tempt me, bring me a penny? The Greek word for hypocrisy means play acting. They're just play acting. He saw they weren't sincerely asking about whether or not to pay taxes to Caesar. They were just being actors on a stage. They were playing a role. And so now with one question, Christ so elegantly unmasks the play actors, and he asked them in verse 18, verse 18, why tempt you me, ye hypocrites? It's very important that we understand how he asked that question. He didn't ask them that question with a spirit of condemnation. Why are you tempting me, you no good, rotten hypocrites? He didn't do that because John 3.17, John 3.17 says, for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't say that to them to condemn them. He said that to them with the spirit of saving them, a spirit of helping them, as if he was saying to them, I don't really get it. Why are you fighting against me? Because I'm your only hope of salvation. It's the same as before when when he, as Jehovah Jesus, said to them in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 1831, Ezekiel 1831, cast, away from you all your transgressions whereby you have transgressed and make you a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O house of Israel? It's totally unnecessary. Every person that's cast into hell, it wasn't necessary. Ezekiel 33, 11, Ezekiel thirty-three eleven. 11, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways. For why will you die, O oh, house of Israel? It reminds me again of uh, another interchange with the Orthodox rabbi this last week where he sent me a video of a famous uh, Jewish rabbi and he wrote me, he says, Tom, Tom, he says, look at how beautiful is our heritage. Please don't abandon your people. And I wrote him back, I said, look at how beautiful is Jesus Christ. Please don't abandon your only hope. So in this question, Christ is asking them why they're trying to destroy him because he's their only hope of getting into heaven. And so now comes his response with this one response, his opponents just walk away, they're finished, they're defeated in verse 19. Verse 19, show me the tribute money, and they brought him a penny. He saith unto them, whose is this image and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. Then saith he unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's and unto God the things which are God's. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. There's only one word to describe what Christ did and said in that scene right there. And the word is, in verse 22, verse 22, marveled. It was marvelous. This whole scene as it rolled out, was nothing less than just marvelous. Marvelous in the scene as we stand back and we're just amazed what he did, what he said. Because with an absolute calm, so much tension in the air, they wanna kill him. He just asked to see a coin. The coin's minted by the Roman government and on the coin is the image of Caesar. And so he asked, who's that? And they say, well, that's Caesar's. So the idea is that if the image on the coin is Caesar's, then he said, the coin must belong to Caesar. So he says, give Caesar his coin back. And that was marvelous. at how he didn't just stop there with that statement. But he progressed on to a whole new realm of thought. He really triggered their thinking when he said in verse 21, verse 21, and done to God the things that are God's. And when he said that, everyone's head must be spinning because no one saw that coming. That totally blindsided them. Because the question that he didn't state but he strongly implied was, what has God's image on it? And the answer to that question is Genesis one twenty-seven. Genesis 1, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. So then after establishing that man has God's image on him, he's leading to them the same conclusion. Well, since God's image is on man, then man belongs to God, so give back to God what belongs to God. The wisdom in that answer was just, it's astounding. It's so marvelous, and that's who Christ is. Psalm 105, verse five, Psalm 105, verse five. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done his wonders, and the judgments of his mouth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. We worship you, Lord Jesus. There is nobody like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day
1: studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org.